0: Welcome to Party Crashers. Today we're chatting with Tammy Dickerson of The Baker Group. We really appreciate you speaking with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you ladies and thank you for having me. Thank you. We're glad to have you. You've been in the game for over 20 years so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and your professional journey.
1: Well, I am Tammy Dickerson, and I am the founder and lead planner of the Baker Group. And we are so excited to be celebrating our 20 years in business in June of this year. Wow. And it has been an incredible journey. Wow. Um, I have actually been producing events for about 27 years uh, prior to launching my company. Um, I was a uh, corporate event planner for the Coca-Cola company. I worked for them for about... Uh, seven and a half years in several di- different capacities from project manager to sales to I was actually a controller at one time. Wow. Group marketing oh, wow. Director. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to really broaden my overall kind of business background. So I took of a little bit in, in um, finance. But the last job, one of the last jobs I had with Coca-Cola was a senior project manager, a market development manager. And In that position, I got an opportunity to work on large scale projects, um, everything from the Super Bowl to the Olympics to national product launches. And that's where I fell in love with event planning and really began just to take the craft very, very seriously. Um, But like most entrepreneurs, I was working 80 hours a week and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not really having home life balance. And I was really looking for a lifestyle change. And I got that itch to start my own business and really just started marketing and talking with a lot of colleagues about, hey, I think that I want to, you know, take this leap of faith and jump out there and do my own thing. And in those discussions, I had a conversation with a colleague who presented an opportunity for me with former Vice President Al Gore, who was producing an inner city economic summit, and they were looking for a diverse candidate to be a project manager or an event planner. And I interviewed for the opportunity and I was selected and um, went to my company Coca Cola at the time and told them about the opportunity and actually took a leave of absence from the company. So I took a 90-day leave of absence from Coke. I went and produced this event and never came back. The rest was history.
0: (laughs) That was a leap of faith. And that's amazing. I hear a lot of um, stories where they literally just take, they jump into it and they take this leave and then they never turn back.
2: Similar to my story, actually.
0: That's awesome. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) why don't you tell us about a little bit of the struggles that you've had being a woman, specifically a black woman and starting your own business. So
1: I would say, um, you know, starting out, I I literally started in my dining room uh, with just myself. And um, I was fortunate that at the event that I produced for the inner city economic summit, I was able to secure my second client. Uh, I had, Um, a client come up to me and said, Hey, I hear you're the event planner for this event. And I've liked what you've done. And I have a summit coming up in six weeks. And I'd like to hire you.
0: Wow. Stars uh, aligned.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is actually how I secured then my second client. And it really just started from there. But I would say some of our biggest uh, struggles were just how do you secure new clients? Um, I definitely had the experience, I had the ability I was able to pull things together, but just, you know, getting people to take that risk of selecting a small business mm-hmm. um, was very challenging. So I had to take much smaller projects until I could just, you know, build a portfolio of clients where I could then, you know, use that as a pitch in terms of what I could do on my own. I think. How
2: long did you take to transition from the smaller clients to the larger scale jobs?
1: it was it was easily um, it was easily two years, you know, easily two years,
0: yeah,
2: because
1: um, you have to build that
0: this, trust,
1: yes, you have to build that trust, you have to build credibility, but I was also just really figuring out what was going to be my niche, mm-hmm. so I took on lots of different projects until I really realized that this is what I love, this is what i'm very good at, so um, that's where I really kind of focused our agency on conferences, meetings, trade shows, multi-day events, because mm-hmm. I felt like they had a little bit more texture and that's really where my core competency was. So not so much in social or wedding planning. So once I found my niche, then I was able to really focus a little bit more on that particular target client. Um, and then I just, you know, really just put on my sales hat and went out there and start, you know, selling and marketing our, ourselves to, you know, some of the big players that were out there. Um, Our agency was fortunate in I think our second, maybe third year business to win an SBA award where we were actually selected as one of the top home-based businesses in the state of California. And I think- Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And again, I think that that kind of helped, you know, validate um, our company, our agency. And then from there, um, more people begin to give us a chance and an opportunity.
0: That's really great. What did you think that really, like when you were on the ground, were you there talking to people on the phone? Did you put together a marketing kind of package? What really helped in um, securing your next client? So I would say uh, coming from
1: a corporate environment was very beneficial for me because I was able to say that, hey, I've worked for a Fortune 500 company producing events. I know how to do this. So I think really leveraging the experience that I had coming from a big box company was very beneficial. Um, And I really focused on brand marketing. So making sure that I stayed very true to our brand and who we were as an agency in terms of corporate clients was very important to us. We did put together a business plan. We put together a marketing plan. um, And then just a lot of new business um, sales. One of the largest clients that we have today 18 years later, I landed on a cold call. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. That gives the us Milken a lot. Institute. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We wanted to get into that one. We heard <laughs> yeah. we heard through the grapevine that it has a lot of crazy production pieces that we'd love to talk through.
1: <laughs> yes. We, were, uh, we actually landed the Milken Institute on a cold call um, my third year in business, as a matter of fact. Um, wow. We were doing a lot of business at this one particular hotel in Beverly Hills. And we had a colleague that called us and said, Tammy, I hear that this client is looking for a new event planner. You know, this property, you should bid for the business. And I would say, I'd love to. So who should I call? And they were like, well, we don't know. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, you can't exactly cold call the Milton Institute. And they said, what do you have to lose? And they were right. So we actually called the client on a Monday we went in. I cold call. I got the right person to talk to. We went in on a Thursday for an interview, and the following Tuesday we started working. And seventeen years later, we're um, you know still working with them, and they're one of the the largest clients that we work on.
0: Sometimes it is just about asking and putting yourself out there. It's not just all about the relationships that you have, but also just about, you know, stepping out and having that leap of faith. And just making sure you have a plan. You know, even before I launched the agency,
1: you know, I spent about six or eight months just putting together my plan, what my marketing pieces were going to look like, developing my logo, and just making sure I had a strong plan. And even before I hopped on the call, you know, cold calling the client, I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was selling, why I thought I could be a benefit to them, and that all we were looking for is an opportunity. So I would just say, mm-hmm. um, as long as you're prepared, and you know you have a plan of action in terms of what you can deliver, I think that's important for small businesses.
0: Yeah, preparation definitely meets opportunity when you have those
2: two put together.
1: Yes. Yeah. She got to stay ready. So you don't have to get <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I always call it like you being ready for your Oprah moment.
1: Yes.
2: Because, you know, there's a lot of people. And I remember Oprah had a conversation. I don't know. I forgot what it, I don't know if it was on her one of her channels or she was being interviewed, but she basically had mentioned how she had an amazing event planner do um, one of her parties that hadn't normally done her parties. And she called them out the blue. I think it was like a dinner party at her house. And she called them out the blue to do it. And they were not prepared. They basically bombed. Actually, no, I think it was the, the it was the planner that was telling the story about how they bombed. Mm. And they weren't ready. And they were a pretty big company. Wow. But they just weren't ready for all of like, the logistics and things that, you know, for an Oprah right. event. And, you know, he wasn't ready for his Oprah moment. And I think about that all the time. You I know, about how... Analogy you need to be ready for whatever big thing is going to come up because it could come, you know, your opportunity is going to come, but are you going to be ready (laughs) when it does come? Stay prepared for sure. Stay -hmm.
1: prepared and always stay, you know, working on your craft, you know, always making sure that you're retooling, that you're getting educated um, and that when you start to feel that lull, that you do something about it. You know, you stay innovative, you keep, you know, young people around you to make sure that you're, you're always. Yeah.
0: That's, that's mm-hmm. a good point because you've been in the industry for so long. Can you tell us how you've stayed relevant and how it's changed over the past 27 years that you've been in the game?
1: So live events have definitely changed over, you know, the last decade. Um, it's really all about, you know, uh, technology, innovation, you know, it's all about big and sexy. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know, mm-hmm. is really kind of enticing you know, live events now and really just uh, because the attention span, I think, of of the audience is very short. You know, people want to be excited immediately. So making sure that you always grab that. And I would say for our agency, we've just really been able to build very deep, long-standing relationships with our clients, um, which I think is very critical to the success of businesses. Most of our clients that we work with now, we've been doing projects for them for 10 15 years so Mm -hmm. once we get in and we really you know work with the client we become family Uh, it's important to us to build this kind of deep personal relationships um, and that helps sustain our business but as i mentioned earlier just always staying on top of our craft um, always going to trade shows and educational events uh, working with new vendors and partners so we can always stay relevant and to bring you know, the best solutions to our clients is one of the things that we've been focused on.
0: Yeah. I think production, Mm -hmm. you have to definitely roll with the punches and things could happen at any time. Why don't you tell us about a crazy production thing that happened during one of your conferences or one of your events?
1: Well, I would say one of the most, we've had several, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but (laughs) one of the most craziest uh, was really the, the night before we were opening up for a very big conference for about 3,000 people. And our firm was really in charge of kind of all the operations and logistics, you know, for putting together the event. And we were not directly in charge of registration. But we were in charge of just the hospitality and the guest check-in, but not in charge of all the back-end process. And The night before we're working with the client, we're doing some auditing and something was just off. Like we just knew that something was not going right with registration, but we weren't sure if we should step in or just allow them to handle it. And literally seven, eight, nine o'clock at night is when we realized this is not going well. And we have got to do something. And I remember there was a room of well over 50 or 60 people stuffing badges, getting ready for registration. And I stood up and I just said, stop. We've got to stop this process. Something is not right. This is not accurate. Um, Pull my client aside. We did some deep dive with the person who was managing registration. And they had a meltdown. And sure enough, they said. We have no idea what's going on. We don't feel like this is happening right. And we had to literally, at probably 10, 11 o'clock at night, work with the client to reinvent their registration process. I remember calling (laughs) all of my friends at home in bed saying, hey, come in your PJs, your sweats, whatever you got. I need your help. And literally, I had 15 or 20 people come to the hotel. And we reinvented their registration process. Did not sleep. Um, At all, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, and, you know, got up the next day, and we were able to completely turn over what they had done. And the real learning for us was, um, you have to own the process that you're going to be accountable. Mm -hmm.
0: for. Mm -hmm.
1: So, we did not own that process we saw it from a distance but the client still wanted to hold us accountable for how it came out the next day so Mm -hmm. we learned that we have to own our own processes so we no longer manage registration projects (laughs) if
0: we don't do (laughs) that it's true it's true you Mm -hmm. have to you have to own every single portion because in the end it will fall on you on that day or the night before yeah, or anything yeah. like that has happened to me a million times, especially with registration. It's such a, it's a very, very meticulous um, portion of your job, even though, you know, you be, you're inviting 3000 people to see your event and you think that the logistics of the actual event is important, but how people are registered and how they are let into an event that's key because that's the first stage of everything
2: that's the first step it's the first
1: impression
0: to every single
1: event and it was Mm -hmm. so critical so
2: yeah
1: it was a crazy moment we ended up being in our pjs and no sleep but it was well worth it
2: Yeah, I definitely it's funny because I a lot of times, you know, we'll get clients and they'll say, Oh, I just need you mm-hmm. day of or I just need you to come in. Yeah. And, and I'm like, No, I don't I t- actually stop doing that. Um, and I think that's something where you learned you learn as you go on in this business. It's something that in the beginning, you think, oh, I can just do this. You know, I'll, I'll just accept whatever, you know, just for the money. But then you realize I have to know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> like, I need at least a month, you know, before to just wrangle everything together. So there that if somebody no asks me a question, yeah, like somebody asks me a question, I need to be right. able to answer it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something that you learn as you go on in this, in this industry. Um, and just not to, not to turn it, into a sad conversation, but I we wanted to shift gears just a little bit um, to talk a little bit about uh, COVID-19 because it's something that we all need to wrap our heads around. And I think this industry is, is being hit super hard uh, with the realization of, yeah. you know, no live events and, and, and such. So we just wanted to get your thoughts and see how your business is reacting to what's going on now. Um, like what were some of the signs that you received that it was going to directly impact your business?
1: Well, you know, like most, uh, not only small businesses, but certainly to your point, you know, businesses and event planners that are in this live event industry, we have been impacted as well. And I think that some of the signs that we saw early on was just, um, you know, there was clearly news, I think, a couple of months prior to that, that we were going to be hitting a recession, that our Mm -hmm. country was going to be, you know, hitting a recession Either in 2020 or in 2021, so we really started just internally to make sure that we were planning for that. But I think that once the COVID nineteen situation happened, um, I think the rapid growth and the progression of the people that were becoming affected when they were in mass gatherings was a huge red flag for us. Mm-hmm. That this was not necessarily happening, you know, by individuals, you know, one on one the spread of the pandemic was really happening in mass gatherings. So if that is the case, that's the first thing that's going to be eliminated. And Mm -hmm. we really started to pay very close attention to those details and uh, just beginning to, you know, act accordingly. So, you know, as I mentioned, we have certainly been impacted. We went from having uh, six events planned uh, between February and April to having zero events planned between now and August. Um, wow. Our next live event is not scheduled until August of this year, so we've certainly been impacted as well.
2: So the event that you had, um, like the events that you had planned up until April, were those postponed or just canceled? And was the, is the one that's coming up, is that one of the, the previous ones or is it a whole new event?
1: So the good thing is that all of the events that we had scheduled uh, between um March and June had all been rescheduled. We haven't had actually any clients to cancel Mm -hmm. their events. So that's definitely been a blessing for us. And what we began to do was just work very quickly with our clients to work with our venues and our vendors and our partners to work on rescheduling Mm -hmm. all of those events. Um, I think I could probably pass the bar exam now from all of
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I know. It's, oh my gosh, me too. Even just having to redo yes. your contracts, like yes. to add in pandemic Crunchy. clauses and all kinds of stuff. Like it's crazy.
1: All the information we had to learn about, yeah, force majeure clauses
2: and just cancellation
1: mm-hmm. charges. But it was a learning experience, but so working very quickly with our clients to reschedule all of their events but also just most importantly, working with our clients on the communication strategy and how Mm -hmm. they wanted to communicate um, not only to the general market, but to their guests, either those Mm -hmm. guests who had already purchased tickets or who were already supporting them to their sponsors, you know, how we were still going to be a part of this. We were just going to have to postpone it. So um, the one thing that I would say our agency was able to do was Not just put on that event planner hat, but really put on a consulting hat. And Mm -hmm. because our clients were looking to us to consult with them, what's the best way to do this? How do we communicate this? How do we negotiate this contract? And that was one of the uh, key skills that I think has helped us over these last few weeks.
2: Yeah, that's super important. I think um, for planners, uh, there's a lot of people that want to get into this industry, but I feel like they don't realize that you really need to be a Jack or Jackie of all trades. Yeah, Um, you really need to be able to just jump into action and say, okay, well, I need to be a consultant now great. I'm a consultant. Do I need to be a therapist today? Great. I'm going to be a therapist. I yeah. need to handle, you know, back end tech stuff and learn it in 24 hours to be able to tell my clients how to, you know, move into the digital space to host their event. Great. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah. Let's you know? be a lawyer so, today. Like
0: who would have thought? Yeah.
2: Like who knew? It's crazy. It's definitely crazy. you do crazy. wear
1: all the hats. And even if you don't know all the answers, you exactly. have to be the resource <laughs> for finding mm-hmm. the answers for those clients. So even in those cases where, you know, we didn't know what was the best clause or we didn't know how much we should negotiate, we immediately started to reach out to um, the great, you know, universe of context that we have to help us find out those answers. Because I think that when you be- can create a need and when you can become a resource for your client, that you become more valuable.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, so how, um, I guess, how did you, how are you handling events that are booked for the later dates? Are are you rolling out like a digital strategy for them, like online strategy? Are you guys just going forward like business as usual, hoping that it won't be impacted
1: Uh, down the road? You know what, at this point, it's really so hard to tell. You know, I would Mm -hmm. say that um, we're still in a a pause pattern, if you will, for some of our clients. Um, Some of our clients, we have just moved where we're going to do a completely virtual event. Some of our clients are considering hybrid events, you know, where they might do a smaller in-person event and then, um, you know, stretch and expand their event to a virtual audience. And then we have other clients where we have fundraisers and galas planned for the October time period that they really just want to wait. They want to wait and see what the market is going to do. And we're going to pick up planning Mm -hmm. in the June period to really see, um, you know, what's going to happen. So what we've been doing is just, Staying in contact with our clients, you know, working with them on where we are now, making sure we're the most informed about what's happening, not only in the world but in this industry. You know, what are the trends? What are other clients doing? What are other planners mm-hmm. doing? So we can become that resource. Um, and then also just holding lots of meetings with partners in that virtual space, um, mm-hmm. so we can make sure that we can be a resource to our clients with those virtual events. So. A little bit of all of those you know everything from waiting to going full virtual events and digital to hybrid programs that we're working on as well
2: and do you feel like uh I guess are you if you have any new inquiries coming in now um, would you are you taking them on and like you know getting your retainer now or are you just kind of putting them in that whole holding pattern and waiting until you guys get for you know more information about what the plan is in the future?
1: Mm-hmm. We are absolutely taking on new clients, absolutely taking on new clients. We've actually and we're continuing to pitch. We're continuing to work. We're tweaking, you know, Mm -hmm. what our sales deck looks like, but we're absolutely taking on new clients. We actually Mm -hmm. just received a call um, on Friday, you know, with the client who is interested in starting discussions around what something might look like in the November time frame. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I think it's important that we continue, not business as usual, but we certainly continue business in the atmosphere that we're in now. Uh, I don't think it's smart to just completely stop and wait, because Mm -hmm. that's when I believe that you lose kind of, you know, being top of mind, making sure that you're a resource, so we are having discussions with clients uh, about what new opportunities for the fall, but also for twenty twenty one might look like.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: making sure that we can be a part of those discussions for that time frame is. Well.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about like virtual events and hybrids and what kind of platforms that you use? I'm sure everybody's really excited and interested to know.
1: Um, I can say that we have actually investigated. Anywhere from two to five different platforms that are out there in terms of providing virtual or digital events for clients. And what we found is that it's not only the software, but it's the technology that's important as well. Mm -hmm. And being able to deliver a complete package to your client is going to be important. So the other thing that we've also just been working on is just putting together a sales deck on why you still need an event planner for a virtual event. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Yes, lots. super important. Yes, yes. you know, there's still lots of details that are required with putting Mm -hmm. on a virtual event. It's not just setting up your Zoom account and sending a login number to your speakers. There's still lots of minutiae and details that go into Mm -hmm. it. So we've been focusing on a sales deck uh, specifically that we can post and send to our clients on, you still need an event planner. So how mm-hmm. do you prepare for this new role as an event planner? Because you may not be having florals or, you know, doing meal planning. It's a different role, but it's still meeting planning and it's still very important.
2: This is definitely going to put a lot of uh, event producers and you know people in the industry to the yes. test. Because, you know, I think it's going to weed out a lot of people that, you know, you could study it, but yeah. really understanding how to be nimble and figure out, you know, okay, now that the landscape has changed, how do I adapt to it? Not everybody's going to be able to survive that beyond the pandemic. And I do feel
0: like we have to be more tech savvy at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely think
1: that. And I think that if you are not, you know, uh, as sophisticated or tech savvy, then that now is the time when you become that. You know, now Mm -hmm. is the time when you take some classes and you really begin to hone those skills because I believe that innovation and technology will be more important on a virtual Mm -hmm. platform than it would have been on a live. I think that guests um, are a little bit more forgiving for some reason, in all honesty, with a live event because they feel like it's live. Mm -hmm. So if the sound goes out, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. The sound went out, it's live. On a virtual event, I found that they're not as forgiving. Um, they're very much that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I can't believe that the sound went out because it's the virtual, yeah. event, <laughs> <Okay>. you know, <laughs> it's really the same platform. And there's
2: so much competition too now, and yes. trying to keep people's attention yes. because everything is virtual every single thing your gym, your workout in the morning, your meditation, your mommy meetup, your you know, now you're doing your your gala, you know, virtually like every five minutes now you have something to sign up. So if the one previous, like the one five minutes before, was perfect, sound was great, everything was amazing, and then you, you know, log into the Baker Group's event, and then it's like, oh, there's no sound, then you lose your entire audience, audience,
1: yeah, (laughs) immediately. But that would be the other, in all honesty, kind of you know words of advice that I would share just about the industry is that um, I do believe the industry will come back. I believe it will Mm -hmm. come back, um, and I believe that it will be stronger than ever. I just believe it will be different. So I think that what we have to make sure that we're doing as event planners is we're we're planning for what that different looks like. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that, you know, we should just all completely become these virtual agencies and that's all we're doing. I think Mm -hmm. that we should just remain flexible and figure out what is our competitive edge that we can still offer
2: in this new space.
1: Um, And I think that will differentiate a lot of planners that are out there.
0: That's definitely. great
2: feedback. So, I mean, you asked, I was about to ask you a question about how, you know, you, what lessons have you learned through this pandemic? But I feel like you've kind of answered that <laughs> with, you know, what we have to, you know, how we have to, to change our strategy and, um, you know, yeah, be, be, be nimble and, and to move forward. Yeah. yeah. But if you have anything else to add to that, definitely.
1: I would say some other key lessons that I've really learned is just uh, how important having great relationships are great banking relationships great financial relationships as a small business um i think now more than ever you know from a financial perspective you really have to make sure that you understand how to run and manage your business which is very different yeah than you know (laughs) in the business you have to be operating and managing your business so i think that has definitely been a, a big lesson um And making sure um, that you have very open and honest and deep relationships with your clients, because now are the times Mm -hmm. when they are going to come. And unfortunately, you know, event planning is probably one of the first things that they're going to cut. So making sure that you have relationships where you can always be creating value in the service that you offer and feel like that you're in need. So it's been good for me to have the conversations where clients have actually said, Tammy, we are going to postpone our event into the fall, but we don't want to lose you all as an agency. So how can we you know, put together a creative mm-hmm. payment plan? We appreciate that you're a small business. We want to keep you in business. How can we work together? And mm-hmm. having those kind of relationships. That's a blessing,
2: important. honestly. So actually two, two parts. I have a question, two questions that came out of that. Um, you said it was important to make sure that you have basically your financials in order, and you know know how to run a business on a back end. Basically, yeah. Um, do you find that uh, like the stimulus that's being provided, or the, like the SBA loans, like do you find those to be beneficial for small business owners? Um, do you feel like is there anything that we should stay away from, or maybe go a different route uh, to make sure our businesses stay afloat?
1: Um, I would say, yes, they are very beneficial programs. Um, I've been a little disappointed in how they've been executed, but I think that um, those that will benefit from the program, they are very beneficial. But I think that this is where you learn that you can't just be a number. You have to have relationships. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to call your banks and, you know, have relationships with them because those are the ones that have gotten and will be getting the loans first. If you were Mm -hmm. just a number, then you're going to fall, unfortunately, you know, to the bottom. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's what I mean about just making sure that you have those kind of relationships with uh, your financials and your bankers and people like that that are, you know, running the businesses for you. But I do think they'll be beneficial Um, in terms of staying away from programs. I would just say be very cautious about a lot of brokers that are out there now um Mm -hmm. touting that they're offering the same PPP programs but they might not Mm -hmm. be SBA approved so making sure that you clearly understand from a legal perspective anything that you're signing and you're becoming involved with because not all of the brokers that are out there are offering the um, forgiving PPP program. So just making sure yeah. you're very aware yeah, of Yeah, for
0: sure. And reading the fine print, that's really key whenever taking a loan from um, an agency or a bank or anything like that, just because you never know what the repayment terms are.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, just the other really quick thing the, that you mentioned, um, just making sure you keep that relationship with your clients and having, um, you know, like they they basically made sure to include you whatever it looks like in the future if they decide to move forward with events. Do you find it is a certain type of client that are looking out for you versus, I guess, the majority of you know, brands and stuff trying to make sure all of their vendors stay afloat?
1: I can wholeheartedly say yes. I think that we've been fortunate to work with all kinds of clients, from corporate clients to nonprofits, to, you know, some of the social events that we do that, that um, we share like values in terms of uh-huh. they really appreciate women and minority owned companies, they support them, uh-huh. and they've been able to reach out and extend opportunities to them. So I think because uh-huh. of their commitment, from a corporate perspective to women and minority owned businesses, then yes, they see us as such, and they want to make sure that they support us. And I think that's been very helpful. So I think When we begin to look at um, our target client and developing what is that perfect client for us, because I think another thing that we've been able to do pretty well over the 20 years that we've been in business is that we interview our clients as much as they interview us.
2: Yes, I always hear that as well. (laughs)
1: Yes. So we in interviewing and making sure we have that perfect client, um, supporting women and minority owned businesses is important to us. You know, that value proposition is very important. so, yes, I would wholeheartedly say those companies that have those kind of initiatives have been very beneficial to us.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's stuff that I, mean, I guess you looking forward, you know, you can definitely sift out what type of brands you want to work with. This is this whole moment is like uh, everybody's in an incubator mode. <laughs> you know, they're trying to figure out. You know who, what their niche is, like who who looks out for them during a the time of need, like what resources are out there for them. So this is definitely like that quiet moment where everybody's kind of sitting in and and figure out, uh, you know what what's the next step.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a period of you know kind of reevaluation. It's a period of refocus. It's a period of getting back to the basics. Um, and that's what yeah. we've been doing a lot of. It's just really um. Making sure that we're being creative during this pause period and rethinking not only what you're doing, but how you're doing it and how you can improve on those processes. So uh, we've been doing a lot of that as a team.
0: What are you doing with your like extra time now? I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like you have extra time because you're so focused and you <laughs> it seems that you you know what the next step is because you've been there before, but do you have extra time and what are you using that time for?
1: Um, you know what I do and, and I have appreciated the extra time because normally, as you all know, in this industry, you have none. Yes. So mm-hmm. I have really appreciated the extra time. Um, I do have a family. I have my husband and my 12-year-old daughter. Oh, beautiful. So, oh, nice. which has been a, a wonderful time that we've had together. And I say that we have spent more time together than we have in a very long time.
0: Yes, Same. definitely. <laughs> and especially being an event producer.
2: Really get to know yeah. each other. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I've been spending a lot of extra time there. Um, which has been good, but I've also just been spending, um, you know, for me, structure is everything. And we actually put together um, a list of goals, if you will, that we call Corona goals that we wanted to make sure that we accomplished during this period of time. And it's everything from, for me, I wanted to, um, Take a couple of master classes from a mm-hmm. professional standpoint. I wanted. To, we were yeah. just talking about
2: that. Oh yeah, <laughs> <We> love, yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely love the master class. So I put that yes. I wanted to accomplish that. You know, reading a few more books, certainly exercising more, yeah. um, and spending that quality family time together. So it's still a work life balance, but also just making sure that I'm focused and I'm structured. You know, every day about in terms of what I want to make sure that I accomplish because it will be over. And what I want to make sure that happens is that when this is over, that we can look back and say, I was still able to accomplish X. Um, I was mm-hmm. still able to do X. And um, th- those are one of the things that I do. So I would say great family time and, uh, you know, take reading a lot more and exercising, but it's also okay just to be lazy and just to actually take a Thank day you. Yes. Um, and just say, I'm mm-hmm. actually not going to do anything yes. today. Um, So I've been. I wish
2: I can do that. But with a 19 month old, I wish saying I'm just not going to do anything today ends up me being with him all day. That's the day he wants to (laughs) be extra needy. So well, then you have to sleep
0: when he's sleeping. Then I know you know that rule. We never like
2: moms don't ever listen. No, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like meanwhile, let's just let's just do a podcast during that
1: time. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. While
2: I watch them on the monitor.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Trying to stay productive, but also having that balance. It's really key during this time, but I think it's given us all the chance to really figure out what is important to us and um, what, what do we really care about? And it's that it's a family and it's taking care of our bodies and really giving us time to, you know, meditate and um, search our souls. So it's really great that you're doing that. I think that we're trying to do that, but with 19 month olds, it's not easy, but I also think just learning how valuable yeah. time is, you know, just time.
1: And I think that's been a really big learning for me is that sometimes I'm just busy yeah. being busy. Mm-hmm. And then you look yeah. up and the time is gone. So now I am really looking at just time and how valuable it is and not just mm-hmm. about being busy, but being productive yeah. and being yeah. more yeah. focused.
2: focused. yeah. You can, That's so hard to do. Yeah.
0: That being said, we always like to ask this question to everybody. What is the first thing you want to do when that stay at home order is lifted? I get a, an amazing uh, 80
2: minute massage. Oh, nice. From who? We got to share the, uh, the I resource. Will.
0: Um,
1: um, Royal nice.
2: treatment. Uh,
1: his name is Anton. Take note, Royal everybody. Treatment. Um, but he's <laughs> wonderful. Yep. <laughs> yes. He will come to your house, but it's really a, oh, It's more than just about uh, a great massage. It's really mm-hmm. very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. in terms of what it does for your body and your mind. And I have really just, uh, I've missed that because it was so essential mm-hmm. and part of my life. And I think that I figured out what I need to keep me going and keeping me energized. And mm-hmm. a great massage is one of them. So yeah. I have truly missed that. You know, I've substituted with some other things, but I have truly missed that. So I think that When you do figure out these are the, this is like the essence of me. This is what keeps me going. This is what I need. Then that's what you miss the most. So, an eighty-minute massage from Anton at Royal Treatment is absolutely
0: definitely. Some
2: people use
0: yoga. Some people use meditation. Yours is a massage. I love that.
2: That's perfect. Well, I mean, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, little gems for, for everybody. Um, but before we go, um, we always like to ask our guests to leave with a party favor and party favor is basically a valuable tip that you share with somebody coming up in the industry who's listening that, you know, is, especially in this time, is still thinking of trying to get into this and you know, be successful. What's one valuable tip that you would share?
1: You know what I would say? Um, don't don't compare yourself to others. You know, um, mm-hmm. don't. Lo- There's so many of us that are out there, and I think that sometimes people um, look at people that are out there yes. and they say, "Well, I want to be like them," or "I want to be like them," or yes. they say, "I mm-hmm. can't be like them. I can't be like them. Mm-hmm. I can't do this because I can't be like them." And I would just say, don't Good compare point. yourself to others. You know. Don't focus Mm -hmm. on what others are doing well. Focus on what you do well and figure out what your competitive advantage is going to be and what's going to be your twist that you're going to put on the way that things that you're going to do event planning. And you will be much more successful if you focus on that than comparing yourself to others. Find your niche, absolutely. Find your own personal niche and just really focus on that and not everything else. I think that's... um, that's what I would share with uh, the listeners.
2: Well, that's a great, a great, great, great tip. Um, and super important. I think it's a good reminder for even the people that are veterans in the industry. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is so great.
0: Thank you for allowing us to crash your party. That's it for this episode. For any of your event production needs, you can always reach out to us on Instagram at the Party Crashes Podcast. Until next time.